Top Shelf Sports Talk. You're hanging out in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950. The Fan, Rochester. Uh, great to see us spread the ball around. I thought the effort and the, uh, the production from Gabe and uh, Khalil was, was important for us. Uh, all receivers, tight ends included, were involved. I think Dalton had, was it eight targets? Five target, five catches. Uh, uh, good to see him get going there as well. Uh, coach Dorsey called a called a good game. Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott post game last night. Bills offense got it going early. That rhythm, that tempo that we've all been kind of looking for. I would argue that last night was was probably the biggest night ever for Buffalo Bill armchair coordinators living room head coaches oh there's tons of us we're all right yeah, we're, we're all right yeah. today we're like hey listen it, it's very simple three wide receivers <laughs> up tempo more josh running let's bring in nate gary the buffalo bills radio network and wgr in buffalo nate we were all right there are dozens of us gentlemen dozens <laughs> we are always right that is what's important when there's an opening, we're signing up for it, man. We know we know more than they do. It's amazing. It is funny how it works. Listen, fantasy football translates. I don't care what they say. Uh, I am uh, I am on pace to win manager of the year in one of my 13 leagues, and I, I, it makes me qualified. Well, I, I'm sure we'll get into the, boy, how did the Bills almost end up blowing this last night? But I want to start with a positive, that being Dalton Kincaid. It, Nate, my opinion, there are few guys in this league, when they show up, you're like, oh, wait, that looks different. This skill set looks different. Can we demand more of Dalton Kincaid from here on out this season? You know, more, I think you can demand what we saw, like more of what we saw yesterday and the week prior. I think he's kind of finding his place, but I think more so, like, doesn't it just feel like he's maybe earned the trust in game situations and in tough downs, down in distances, those those situations where Josh maybe almost locks in on digs. Now he, it, it, it almost feels like there is that like level of that line of trust um, that, that he can kind of, you know, look to Kincaid in those moments, which, you know, listen, I mean, I, if it comes with time, I think there was a little bit of a patience that needed to be preached, um, going into the season with a tight end. And, you know, listen, I mean, you look across the NFL, there's one other, you know, young tight end who's playing well, Sam Laporta in, in Detroit. And, and otherwise, like what we know about tight ends is, is they typically take a little while to develop in the league, but this was an offense frankly, that needed someone to kind of step in, I think, in a little bit more of a quicker fashion. I think we are seeing, you know, sort of the fruits of that patience now. And, you know, I think it's funny. He misses a game with a concussion a couple of weeks ago. And you know, sometimes it's not a bad thing for, like, young players to miss a game. And, uh, and um, I think for me, like, when you miss a game, sometimes you get a different perspective from the sidelines, right? Um, so I think for me, uh, that may have helped. I think the development of the offense and yeah, I, I hate to, I, I feel like I hate to say this, but I think the offense looked more efficient in 11 personnel without without Dawson Knox. I think when you look at the two as pass catchers, um, I think it's, it's very obvious Kincaid is, is the better of the two as, as just a natural pass catcher. And I think it opened up some things in this offense. All right, Nate. So you brought up the name. Let's have the conversation. What happens when Dawson Knox comes back off of IR? Yeah, good question. Um, 
I, I don't think that that should mean they go to more 12 personnel. Um, I think that, you know, that they can still run 12 personnel. I think that maybe instead of, you know, like true 12 personnel, you look at what it could look like more in like, I don't know, 21 personnel where you're really kind of going to running backs or like instead of uh, having Reggie Gilliam on the field, you have Dalton King, or, uh, Dawson Knox in the backfield. Like he, like he did a lot with, um, with Brian Dable, like line up in shotgun next to Josh, um, line up in sort of like that uh, hybrid fullback role um, and be a guy that they use more in that role than a, than a traditional inline guy. Because frankly, I thought the, the one area that everybody was most concerned about Dalton Kincaid was him as an inline blocker. I thought he blocked fine yesterday. Um, like it didn't stand out to me that like this guy can't hack it. He can't be in there as an inline tight end every down and be asked to block. And, and I, I think he did well with that. So I, I'm not sure. I think this is going to be a trickier situation um, than, than maybe even we all maybe we, we all maybe recognize. But I think it's a good problem to have that you had guys step up yesterday. Khalil Shakir, obviously, um, I think has been sort of knocking at the door a little bit. I still would like to see more of Deontay Hardy in the offense. He, he really is their quickest, twitchiest athlete. Um, and it seems like they don't do enough to get him involved in the game plan. I think he had uh, uh, the wide receivers that played outside of Andy Isabella. He had the, you know, the lowest snap count uh, of anybody on offense. So I'd like to see him more involved in the game plan as well. But Khalil Shakir has earned that spot. Um, they look better in 11 personnel. I don't think that's super surprising. Um, and I think they're going to have a really difficult situation on their hands when Dawson Knox is back and healthy. We're talking to Nate Geary, Buffalo Bills Radio Network. All right, so Nate, here are the Bills last night, up by 14, entering the fourth quarter, and you had two fourth and shorts here in plus territory and punted. Um, Nate, which side do you come down on? Because I can understand what Sean McDermott was thinking there against an inferior opponent and almost cost him. What were your thoughts there on those decisions? You know, I, I think he saw a defense that had been playing well all day, um, or all night, I should say. And, you know, he's got a weapon at, at and Sam and, um, you know, in his punter that he feels like he can pin them back deep and force them to, to drive 97 yards. They did, uh, and converted three first downs on fourth down on that one, the scoring drive that, that made it 24 to 18. But I would like to, to remain a little bit more aggressive. I think there was a misconception about what people were frustrated about after that game. I'm not sure that I believe the offense went conservative. I think the head coach did and some of the decision-making the head coach made uh, that I think let Tampa back into that game. Although the defense was playing well, um, I, if you ask me right now, and even, even with Milano and Daquan Jones and Tredavious White, I think the answer still is if you had a, a chance to be on the field with your offense or defense on fourth down, who would you rather have on the field? I, I think it's always your offense. So, um, yeah, I mean, especially in the plus territory, fourth and one, fourth and two, um, those are situations that I'd like to see the Bills remain uh, aggressive in. And, and, and you, you get one more first down, you seal the game. Um, you get one more first down, you get another scoring drive, and you go up 31 to 10, that game's over. So I think for me, you know, re- remi- trying to remain somewhere in the middle between aggressive, but not trying to be conservative. And it felt like a couple of times yesterday, the bills and Sean McDermott got a little too conservative 
uh, for my taste. How much concern do you have about the Buffalo Bills uh, secondary? I feel like we're getting a lot of critical penalties at crucial times. Um, you know, Poyer, you know, had a good game, probably his best game of the season uh, last night, but you also had Taylor Rapp in there, Poyer coming down and, and playing linebacker. I mean, just give us give us your take on on that second and third level of the Bills defense and, and what they mean to the success or failure on any given on any given game. Yeah, listen, it's it's tough to play defensive back in the NFL. The rules are really tilted in, in the other direction. Um, you know, the illegal contacts and the holding penalties are, are real killers because they're automatic first down penalties. And, um, it, it, you know, I think it was one on the scoring drive and the Bucks drive that extended that play on fourth down. The Bills, um, you know, get a stop and then, a, and then an illegal contact. And then the Bills get another stop on fourth down and Jordan Phillips gets a sack and, and then they uh, get the face masking call that, that, that gives them the first down. So there was a couple of critical penalties at critical times that could have sealed the deal yesterday. But in terms of the secondary, I actually really liked the adjustment of, you know, I think we started the season thinking Taylor Rapp was going to play that dime role, that guy that com- comes down to the linebacker position. And then it kind of went away because Tyrell Bernard um, just played so well. Um, and okay, well, he's good. He can be on the field with Matt Milano. And then a Milano injury happens. And I like the adjustment that Sean McDermott has made, bringing Poyer down in the box as sort of that dime defender, a big nickel. Um, and and I think for me, it's something that they like that they're going to have to probably use and lean into a little bit more the rest of the way, especially against passing teams. But I don't mind, you know, having Poyer down there, especially when you face that Kansas City or you face a um, Philadelphia who has really good. Uh, tight ends and guys that, you know, you don't necessarily want to be matched up against, you know, uh, Terrell Bernard, um, I mean, Tyrell Dotson or, um, you know, you know, God forbid, like AJ Klein or something. So I do like the matchups that they were able to create. I also think it was a good game for Christian Benford, uh, probably his one of his better games as a pro. Um, but, you know, I think you know what you get in Dane Jackson. Uh, you know, it's not flashy. He's not going to make a ton of plays, but he's also not going to hurt you a lot. So I, I think that the secondary, where they are right now, uh, you know, the safeties are healthy. I think that's really good. Micah Hyde's playing good football. Um, I wouldn't say it's the weakness of their defense. I think right now with the injuries that the interior of the defensive line without Ed Oliver is kind of the weakness right now. But um, overall, I, I think they've been steady and fine and they, they haven't hurt the defense, but listen, it's just a tough league uh, for defensive backs. And, and, you know, you, you can't get away with a lot in this league. Um, and sometimes it feels like the bills the last couple of weeks um, have been on the, uh, on the wrong end of that, but it's the NFL penalties. And you try to tell dolphins fans this after their game last week against Philadelphia, the pendulum always swings in terms of the league, in terms of penalties. You might lose a game one week because of penalties, and you might win one the following week. And, and I think that's just the league at, at, at large with you know, the referees, the way that they are. Everybody can complain. There's penalties missed every single week. Um, there's penalties that are called that shouldn't be called every single week. That pendulum, I think, will balance itself out you know, for the rest of the way for the season. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I certainly am going to defend officials, especially at any level, when it's full speed. However... <laughs> Like when a punter takes his helmet off yeah. and is about to, like how how does that get let go there, Nate? What that's that's a that's clear and obvious. That's not a that's a black and white kind of call there for the officials. Yeah, I mean you you would think it's a black and white call, um, and yet it wasn't called. Um, I, I would think that the league will look back at that, uh, and and either a, a fine would probably be my guess is uh, is the player gets fined. Um, but in a game situation, yeah, I mean, you take the helmet off. It's, first of all, it's an immediate penalty, but you use it as a weapon or you swing it towards a player. And it, first of all, it made contact yeah. with Greg Rousseau's helmet. 
um, that to me is an automatic ejection. So yeah, I think that was a big miss uh, by the referees. And, and frankly, guys, I mean, in, in all reality, most of these calls, like you see, like I think it was last week that the, the final drive, the scoring drive for New England, they get called for too many men down the field, right? Like they get called for the ineligible man. And then the flag is picked up and there's no real explanation for that. that that's a call that comes from up top. Um, I, I think these referees more and more are relying on upstairs to correct calls or you can't throw a flag after the fact. So you could throw one and pick it up. And I think you're seeing more of that where the league is throwing a flag on a 50-50 play and then it, the upstairs kind of overrules them and tells them to pick it up, they pick it up. Um, but that, that to me is a kind of an egregious miss, miss from that uh, from. Uh, from the referees in that game that's got to be called and that, that's an objectable offense to me nate josh norman comes in off the street plays some special teams impactful on special teams but also keeps Kyrie elam from getting a jersey on on game day where are you with Kyrie elam do you buy into to the notion that i think a lot of fans have that that elam isn't playing because they want to deal him and they don't want him to get injured before tuesday's trade deadline and, and what of the trade deadline for the buffalo bills yeah listen if they're so moved off of him that they feel they would rather hurt their depth, uh, you know, their, their depth by training it. Like if Dane Jackson goes down, you know, you feel like, okay, you've got Kyrie. Let me the system. And he's not played badly when he plays. I, there is something incredibly weird happening behind the scenes with a guy that this organization traded up to draft one year ago. I, I don't know what it is. It, it from what it looks like on the outside, if I'm being, it, it looks like they don't like him. Uh, like the guy has done something to somebody. He's got compromising photo- photos or something. I, I, I don't know what it is, um, but there is a very clear disconnect between, um, uh, you know, kind of what his teammates say about him. You'll hear teammates talk about how well he does in practice. Um, and we know how much Sean McDermott values practice and how that translates into games and, and how that can help a guy, you know, move within the depth chart. I, I guys, I've just never seen anything like it, especially in, in Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean's era of, you know, kind of getting the best out of players. You just don't see this a lot. I, I, I don't know what the future holds for Kyrie Elam, but it's not good that a 34-year-old Josh Norman, who was signed off the street two weeks prior, uh, gets elevated for a primetime game over you. That, uh, that to me, does not spell well. Um, for the future for Kyrie Lim, that's yeah, it, it's, yeah it's, so Nate uh, Nate Geary Buffalo Bills Radio is our guest and maybe Kyrie Elam gets dealt maybe he doesn't I think a lot of Bills fans though have the expectation that uh, you know the Bills will do something now here Nate in our show we're just cautioning people you're not going to get Devontae Adams you're not going to get Derrick Henry or any of these wild rumors out there but what would be a reasonable expectation in your opinion like the level uh, a player that Bill should bring in. I'm going to just throw out there. What, what, what about just, just, a, just another linebacker here, just in case uh, Dotson or somebody uh, should go down there. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I never know what to expect from the trade line from the bills, the trade deadline, right? Like they go out and they make the trade for Naeem Hines. I think I was pretty surprised by that move last year. And then they didn't really use him. Um, they, they have not really made an impactful trade deadline move in Brandon Bean's time here. So am I expecting one? I'm not really expecting one, no. Um, but what I will say is I think there's opportunities. They obviously restructure Deion Dawkins. and They free up a couple of million. I think they're right around $4 million in cap space right now. Um, I, I think it would be smart for them to add what, what that looks like. I mean, if they're going to make a trade, I'd rather them make a trade for an impact player, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, um, Darnell Mooney, someone that can you know maybe add to their wide receiver room. But 
you know, I, I think I think they like what Khalil Shakir's been doing, and and if you go out and trade for Hopkins, you're you're kind of pushing everybody down the depth chart a little bit. Um, so maybe adding a linebacker makes sense. Maybe going out and adding an interior defensive lineman makes sense for this team, or even you know another corner uh, makes sense for this team. I, I just I cannot believe that the Bills uh, would be you know interested in adding a running back like Derrick Henry or adding a, a running back at all because of how well you know that James Cook has played this year. And I, and I don't think I think when you look at Cook and Shakir and you know maybe a couple of other players like that, you, you, what you don't want to do is is trade for somebody that that takes them off the field or takes the ball in their hands. And, and, and I think that could, could really impact any moves that they make um, going into the deadline next week. Nate, uh, I'm trying to envision what the world looks like a week from Sunday night when the Bills have to travel to Cincinnati to play the Bengals on Sunday night football, another primetime game, because, well, frankly, I don't know which Cincinnati team shows up uh, a week from Sunday night. What's your take on the Bengals and, and how they've looked so far this year and how they might look Sunday against the Bills? Yeah, they've been really, really up and down, right? Um, and we, we've seen them play well against, you know, Arizona, which, you know, take that for what you will. They're not a good team. Um, they're probably going to have number one or number two pick this year. So they've largely looked bad. And I think that they miss their safeties. Um, Von Bell, um, you know, and um, Jesse Bates, they, they, both of those guys left in free agency. Uh, they traded, they uh, drafted uh, uh, Dax Hill, uh, from Michigan last year and that a uh, couple of picks right after the Kyrie Elam pick. And he's kind of moved into their safety role. And they've got another guy back there too. It, it has definitely not been the same defense um, that, that we've seen over the last couple of years, especially last year, their defense, uh, I think really led them in a couple of games, especially helped them get to the AFC championship game. For me though, it, it's, it's Joe Burrow's health. If Joe Burrow's healthy. Um, they are, uh, you know, a team that can absolutely beat anybody in the NFL um, and I'm not sure he's fully healthy yet, but they certainly look better. I don't know what's going on with T. Higgins. He's had a really slow start to the season. Um, you know, uh, Chase has been up and down, but um, yeah, we'll, it's going to be quite a matchup. Luckily, they get a couple extra days to prepare. Uh, I think they'll need it. Um, but there is something about the, the Bengals that, you know, they, they get up for these Bills games. Um, and and it's, it feels more, like a, more, of, more of a rivalry than the Chiefs and Bengals do, and, and they've played better games, frankly. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be excited to see what that looks like on, um, you know, on Sunday night and um, have an opportunity to, uh, to maybe exact some revenge, that's for sure. Nate, fun fact here for everybody. This is the first time since 2014 we have not had a bye in Week 8. Everybody is playing. And, hey, if the Bills are already playing on Thursday night, it's great. We can just sit down. There are nine 1 o'clock games coming up on Sunday, Nate, and we got a bunch on, on Sunday, too. When you're looking at this schedule on Sunday, what, what are you paying attention to? I mean, I, I but you've got, you got the Jets there. Do you give the Giants any chance there uh, in a, really what is a neutral site game? The Giants, I guess, are the home team. You've got Miami hosting New England. I don't really have any expectation that New England's going to go down there and do something, or maybe not. Or you got the Rams in Dallas at one o'clock. What games are you paying attention to coming up Sunday? Yeah, I, I don't see the Giants uh, beating the Jets, but I'll tell you, Tyrod has, I think, steadied that offense a little bit. Um, he's, I think, throwing the football better than Daniel Jones was to start the season for them. They've been more consistent. It wouldn't surprise me if that was a good game and the Giants pulled one out, but I do think. The Jets come off the bye, and they probably have a, um, you know, a, a nice advantage there um, on their quote-unquote home field. Um, but, yeah, I think that, that Dolphins-Patriots game is an interesting one for me, uh, one I'll be watching, mostly because 
you know, I, I thought that, that the Patriots played really well last week against the, against the Bills, and um, the Dolphins didn't play particularly well against the, um, you know, uh, against the Eagles last week, and they're probably going to be looking for a, a get-right game for themselves. Um, but I, I, I think that the Patriots are probably a little bit better than, than, the, than the Dolphins and Dolphins fans are, uh, are, are kind of giving them credit for. I think defensively, they should be able they held them to 24 points in their first game in week two. Um, I would expect it to be a lower scoring game. And if, if, the, if the Patriots can have a little bit better offense than they had in that first matchup, uh, that should be a close game too. So we'll, we'll kind of see what the two division games look like. But uh, yeah, I like the Dolphins and the Jets in both those games for sure. Nate, always appreciate when you uh, carve out some time out of your schedule to join us here in the sports bar. We look forward to our conversations after a Bills victory. Really appreciate the time. Have a great weekend, bud. Awesome, my friend. You as well. There he is, Nate Gary. Thanks, Nate. You can hear him on the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. You can hear him on WGR. Uh, always appreciate Nate stopping by the sports bar. Yeah, it was always good stuff. Well, you know, we, we're talking about Dorsey and the offense there. I want to compliment him on one play because they're just like, oh, you need a trick play. Why don't they have more creativity? There was one play last night that I thought was brilliant. And maybe you remember this danger. All of a sudden, Steph Diggs is lined yeah. up at running back. Like, wait, what did, what did they do? Lined up behind Allen. Yeah, like, what are they doing? And he goes and he runs to the left. And your eyes, as a viewer, you're following Diggs. Okay, this is where the ball must be going. Nope, hand off to the right. Very well-designed run play there for James. Cook. I love the uh, the little push pass to Dalton Kincaid uh, in the red zone that almost resulted in Dalton Kincaid's first touchdown. He would eventually get in the end zone. But that that is the kind of play that you see routinely in offenses that we hold to this high, high standard. The, the Chiefs have mastered that play, right? Like you see that kind of play all the time. It was refreshing to see some of those more creative plays. Now, it wasn't perfect. Uh, we can go without uh, shotgun in third and goal. There, there was there was a handful of plays where it's like, all right, what are we trying to get too cute here? What, what's what's happening here? If it works, I guess nobody's complaining. Nobody's complaining. But I, I, I'm again, it's a small sample size. I get that it's only eight weeks, but they've only used him the last two weeks. Who wants to disagree with me on this? That Dalton Kincaid is not an upgrade over Dawson. You know, it's funny. You mentioned that there are moments when you watch a player and you see it and you said it like your words. That looks different. And we all remember the first time we saw that with Josh Allen. His preseason game against the Browns. Yep. Climbed the ladder. Climbed the ladder through a strike. Hits Rod Streeter. Back of the end zone for a touchdown. Pride of Alfred State. It was a (laughs) freaking laser, right? And, And if you watch... Enough games, you see that and you're like, "Whoa, that's that's different. That's that's what good looks like. That's what Dalton Kincaid was. I mean, oh my God, the toe tap from a tight end. That's not a tight end move. That's oh, wait a second. The the ball isn't where it is. Does not matter. I'm going to go down low behind and I'm going to get more yardage after yeah. the catch. Yeah, an impressive uh, night for Dalton Kincaid as his coming out party continues. But this is the NFL. Teams will figure you out. And you have to continue to kind of evolve and adjust. And boy, it, it's a bright future ahead for uh, for the for the rookie. You imagine as as he kind of matures in his game and matures in the league, he'll get bigger, stronger, faster, and and could be you know a, a, one of those really big weapons for the Buffalo Bills, very similar to what the Chiefs have in, in a Travis Kelsey, what the Lions have in a Sam Laporta. I mean, he's getting that involved, and if that continues, nothing but good things for the Buffalo Bills offense. 14 games on an October Sunday. Does Not not, not one during the day involves your team or my team. No. 
That's the that's the positive here. How many we... snakes are you killing on Sunday, Gino? <laughs> instead of watching football. If you were with us earlier, um, the executive producer, Gene's my wife, wife, my wife, yeah. right? If you're new to the show, that's what we call her. Why do we? Why did Danger call her that? You dubbed her that because I go home, I get a report card. Yeah. I like, I like this. I didn't like that. That wasn't. We fun. couldn't have more contrasting lives when the show <laughs> ends. You go home and she gives you a report card and and critiques the show. I go home and my wife's like, uh, yeah, I forgot to turn on the box with the fire in it. I don't really know what we're having for dinner. Oh, you mean the oven? Uh, yeah, yeah, that that thing. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll we'll be good. Yeah. So I got home at three a.m. from the game. Got to sleep in just a little bit. Okay, eight o'clock. Like most people, what's the first thing you do in the morning? I look at my phone. Text from the wife, executive producer. And when you're married twenty four years, it's not you know kissy kissy. Can't wait to see you tonight. No no no. It's here's your assignment. Clean up the snake in the sliding glass door. Like. What does what, that what, even mean? I'm I'm half awake. What what, what are you talking? Yeah. Yeah, a little garter snake got over there and oh. snake murder. Oh. Snake guts first snake thing in the morning. Guts everywhere. Oh. Mm. Oh. Nope. That's a no for me. I, I would burn the house down. <laughs> Sorry, kids. We're moving. <laughs> Should have taken pictures. <laughs> we mm. are moving. Mm. Uh, happy hour. Next in the sports bar. More on yesterday's win. The Buffalo Bills over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll continue to kind of look ahead to Sunday's action in the NFL World Series game one tonight. We've got action in the NBA. The Sabres are playing tonight. The Amherst are on the ice tonight. Plenty of action in what would what many would consider to be the best weekend on the sports calendar. We'll try to break it all down next with a round of shots coming up during happy hour as well. And you can pull up a stool and join us on the Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub Wingman line. That number is 8664-FAN. Award-winning barbecue from Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub, the new location, 135 West Commercial Street in East Rochester, goodsmokebbq.com, 866-4326, Danger and Bataglia, 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan, Rochester.